You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Being inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend. Uh, I'm real excited for my show this evening. Joining me from um, New York City is Joan Cool, and Joan is an author, speaker, consultant, and president and founder of Why Millennials Matter. And she's done a great deal of work uh, with Fortune 500s and other organizations, universities, working with young people. And she's going to be joining me in just a moment. During the show, you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors from Jefferson, Nutrisystem, Pathways, and Fortis Wealth, bringing you their insights into your health, finance, technology, and business. So be sure to stay with us during the breaks. And we continue to love hearing from our audience and listeners. So please be sure to visit us at womentowatch.net for all things related to the show. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, You can pick up the podcast there and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well at womentowatch.net. And that's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now, without any further ado, I'd love to welcome to the show, Joan. Thanks so much for joining me, Joan. Thanks so much for having me, Sue. I love your show and excited to be a part of it. Oh, thank you. I, um, you know, doing my homework on you and watching a couple videos and, and reading about your work, I thought I'd start with a quote that I thought was was kind of funny and um, says a lot about who you were as a young girl. You said, I always wanted to grow up and live in New York City and wear a business suit. 
I thought that you know. I thought that was so funny. You know, little girls are dreaming of being ballerinas or teachers or nurses, and you said, "I just want to go to New York and wear a business suit." (laughs) Yes, I mean the other joke was my family said that everybody else wants the birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. Joan wants it at Staples. (laughs) (laughs) So, did were you exposed to you know through mom and dad? You know, just business or or office settings. What where did you get that interest? In, yeah, in business. so it is really unique. Um, I, I share in, in my book as well as in my talks that I was raised um, in my early years by just my mom. It was just the two of us for a chunk of my truly early childhood, which had a huge influence on me. Mm-hmm. Um, she was definitely someone that was always working to better herself, but she wasn't in the world of business. She was an inner city school teacher in Philadelphia, and then she went to, um, had a number of secretary roles, including one at Temple to advance she also uh, started earning her pilot's license, and ultimately that was to open up the door to become an air traffic controller and a completely male-dominated field. So tons yes. of influence on my life. But yep. my, my grandfather, my grandmother, they were all teachers. Um, they emphasized math, music, and athletics. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I watched too many Kelly Lynch movies, but <laughs> I just had this desire to live in New York City and be in like this heartbeat of of business and be taken seriously. So it was just something that I think that um, everyone around me encouraged, even if they had no idea how to get me there. You know what? Had you had a visit to New York? You know, you grew up in in the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania. Had you been Mm -hmm. to New York? Yeah. I mean, and there, I mean, there's two parts of this one. Um, I had gone with my grandfather and my mom to see the Christmas spectacular at Rockefeller center when I was really young and you know, the lights and the excitement and the noise. And, and for me, I was fascinated by the buildings and seeing people rushing around and realizing that they lived there and they worked there and they could do all these exciting things. And that really gave me this, um, uh, I think real fascination and passion for for Broadway too. So we started going through. Even my, my school would have uh, class trips. I joined the chorus, and we would go as a as a big trip that everybody would raise money for to go to see a show each year. Um, but it was also this piece that because my mom didn't know anybody that wore a business suit or worked in New York City. She enrolled me in after-school programs like the Girl Scouts, and that's why I serve on, and have served and volunteered for so many organizations that specifically serve girls from a leadership perspective because that's where I met mentors like you, Sue, and those that you have on your show that maybe did wear business suits or something cooler today <laughs> and really could talk about how do you, how do you follow um, those dreams and, and what's the best path to take. Yeah. You know what? Can you talk about what it was like to not have your dad in your life growing up? It's funny. You know, I don't really think about it like that because my grandfather was such a powerful, powerful force. And um, it would actually be um, his birthday this past week. He he was such a central just figure in our entire family. So my mom is one of five girls and they went on to have at least the first eight grandkids were all girls too. And I have two daughters. So it was a lot of women. So imagine what like a strong man my grandfather was. And my summers really revolved around being at, you know, my grandparents' homes, my maternal grandparents swimming. And again, I said like my grandfather was strict, but extremely loving. We were swimming in the pool. Like we were preparing for the Olympics. We were doing math. We were playing the piano and I, I don't know, I just felt like a term. He was always my biggest fan. I mean, everything that I ever experienced, going to college, 
from my sixth grade graduation where I was the speaker to becoming student body president at the University of Pittsburgh. He was there. So I guess like because I had that and my mom was so uh, strong and I think just completely involved and supportive, I've never felt lacking. And my mom did remarry um, and my you know, it would be my stepdad, but I don't think of him like that, adopted me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they had my sister. So I've always had a family unit, I think, at those really critical years, my teen years and beyond. That's awesome. You know, I, there's something, there's a special relationship that we have with grandparents in general that it just seems a little less um, strict, I guess, even though you you yeah. say he was strict, but it's a different relationship. So for him totally. to be, yeah, believing in you, I think that was probably a wonderful support for you. He always said he was my number one fan. He always believed anything was possible. I mean, he would, you know, clip out all the clippings. And and so I think between him and my mom, I definitely felt unstoppable. Yeah. Let me ask you, were you a big reader when you were young? Because you mentioned um, your fascination with men like Stephen Covey and Tony Robbins. (laughs) And again, unusual for for a young girl to be introduced to that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I absolutely love to, to read. I was um, extremely creative, and I still am. It's a huge outlet, obviously, both writing um, and even imagination. And so I was reading and absorbing all these leadership books, you know, Dale Carnegie, Stephen Covey, Tony Robbins, you mentioned it, anything. And the, the, the most pivotal moment was when I was in college, and uh, one of my advisors slash mentors handed me the first book I'd ever had, leadership book with a woman's face on the cover. And that was Frances Hesselbein, mm. who had also gone to the same school. She was from Pennsylvania. She was the former CEO of the Girl Scouts. And she wears it still to today. And she's 104. Um, she would hate that I said how old she is. She, um, <laughs> she still goes to work every day. We were just Maybe she won't hear this office. show. <laughs> I will have to play it for her. But she I was just at lunch with her in her office on Wednesday. Um, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest award a civilian in our country can get for being a pioneer for women, diversity, and volunteerism. I mean, mm. what better role model? To Absolutely. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about her when we come back from the break. We're going to go into the break. If you're just tuning in, I'm with Joan Cool, author, speaker, consultant, and president and founder of Why Millennials Matter. Stay with us for Dawn's Ear of Nutrisystem for our CEO Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch, CEO Watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier here with today's CEO Watch. Today, I want to talk about turning a customer complaint into a win. In a consumer-focused business, one of the top priorities should always be to make your customer happy. However, mishaps can happen, and at the end of the day, customer complaints are not 100% avoidable. So how do you change a frustrated customer into an advocate or an ambassador? The key is to make sure that when a customer complaint arises, you act quickly. Here at Tivity Health, we pride ourselves on the incredible work that our contact center does. They truly are the heart of our organization, assisting customers day in and day out from the front line. And sometimes that means dealing with frustrated people. It's a difficult job that takes patience, care, and strong listening skills. Most people don't call to tell you how much they love you. Although some do, but generally they have an issue and they expect immediate resolution. Through the growing digital age, we're not only getting customer complaints through the phone or via snail mail, but we also receive them now through our social media channels. 
It's important for us that when a customer complaint comes in, that it's acknowledged immediately and then rapidly resolved by the colleague receiving the complaint or escalated quickly to the proper point of contact that can help. Quick attention and quick action not only help to avoid a potential larger issue, but it shows the customer that you truly do care about the issue they're experiencing. By addressing customer complaints in a timely and effective manner with skill and empathy, chances are you'll have the opportunity to save the relationship with the customer and change them from having negative opinions about your brand to becoming a brand evangelist. I've seen this happen on so many occasions. Having processes and procedures in place to deal with customer complaints should be a mandatory part of your business playbook. Measuring customer satisfaction and resolution is also key. At the end of the day, there's no better advocate or advertisement for your company than what your customers have to say about you. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dawn Zier here for CEO Watch. Have a great week. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. If you're just joining us, I'm talking to Joan Cool, and she's the author also of Dig Your Heels In, which we're going to be talking about later in the show as well. And Joan, you mentioned Frances Hessel. Is it Hesselbein? Hesselbein? Hesselbein. Hesselbein, who was the CEO of the Girl Scouts. She's an incredible woman. And I saw an interview that you did with her. By the way, it was a great interview. And um, one of the favorite, my favorite quotes that I heard from her through that was leadership is not about how to be. I'm sorry. Leadership is about how to be, not how to do. Exactly. I think, yeah, I think that's a great quote. Tell me what that means to you. We joke that she has two tattoos, um, and that is one of them. And the other is to serve is to live. But of course, they are with invisible ink. <laughs> is that um, for, so? Is she joking, or is that true? No, there, there. It's joking. Okay, there, I thought. Is there such ink? thing as yes. invisible tattoos? That would no, be no, awesome. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, but she lives them so, uh, you know, fiercely, courageously, and everybody that knows her knows those two things. And. So, you know, my relationship with Francis was really special because, as I mentioned, I didn't really have this beacon for someone, a woman, in leadership. And when I was in school, we didn't have uh, all the coverage or different media mediums and platforms to be able to follow different people that you looked up to. And I have had this conversation a lot with girls' organizations. I do think that seeing is believing for many young girls. You know, seeing somebody that you can kind of relate to and then you believe something is possible, whereas there are certainly trailblazers and pioneers, and some people don't need to see something and know that they can be the first. So you need a balance of both, but where possible, showcasing those examples. Um, so once I finally moved to New York City after I graduated from college and worked a number of years, she was the first door I knocked on, and we've been you know, very close ever since. I've served on her board, and the reason we had lunch last week was 11 years ago, I was a part of this idea to launch a global 
Student Leadership Academy at our alma mater at the University of Pittsburgh mm-hmm. called the Hesselbein Global Academy for Student Leadership and Civic Engagement. So it's now 11 years, over 500 students from all over the world have gone there. And we just came together to talk about how to, you know, to continue that investment. So it's, it's inspired me in so many ways. You know, kudos to you for um, going and knocking on her door. So I love and I can see in you that, um, you know, that ability to just, you know, if you're curious about someone or you want to speak to someone, there's no hesitation. You're just going yeah. to reach out. And I I think that's one of the things that holds young girls and women back. Yeah. Where where did you get the confidence to do that? It's funny. You know, my, my mom and I tell a lot of stories about that. And I, I was definitely always a outgoing uh, and excitable, you know, child. But I say like in some of my formative years, when she started to enroll me in those programs, I think that that really made the difference. And that's why I believe, I think that they were encouraging us to use our voice. And in most programs, there was one I was in called the Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership Foundation. And that one in particular took place over a three-day weekend in Philadelphia. It took place across the entire country at different locations. But if you were local, we were in Philadelphia. And each group of about six to seven students was assigned a mentor, a professional from the community. And this is the same model that we have for the Hesselbein Academy that Girls Inc. uses. I mean, so many people do that group of students with this, you know, adult professional mentor. And I think it gets you comfortable early on feeling like this person isn't going to babysit you. They actually are here to help you just develop yourself more and develop and talk about your opinions and your perspectives. And those youth organizations really make you feel like your voice matters. And so I have just, my mom and I have countless stories, even going through the period where you're looking for jobs. I didn't have any family connections to the things I wanted to do. So I wrote a lot of letters. I picked up the phone and my alumni office jokes. This is again, back before you had alumni databases on the internet. I sat in that career office on the floor with this, telephone book that had highlighted different alumni from the University of Pittsburgh across the country and just like used the rotary phone and <laughs> called people and yeah. said, hi. I'm That's awesome. It. Yeah, I love yeah. that. That's awesome. Yes. So, so I, I think we have to help and encourage young people to not be scared, to pick up the phone, to, to initiate the conversation. And I guess it, do, it really makes a difference when you start from the beginning, right? Just mm-hmm, with young right. people. So here's what I want to, you know, so much of about this show is showing, you know, our listeners that women like you um, don't have the perfect life and everything doesn't come easy, even though you've reached, um, you know, this level of success. So what what's hard for you? What is something that is a, a personal challenge that, that you continue to work on or perhaps have overcome? I think this is important to talk about constantly because there's never a, it's a journey, right? I mean, there's constantly, um, you know, resetting and hurdles personally and professionally. Uh, I know for me, again, even though I had this um, confidence and really uh, ambition to be successful, I certainly had imposter syndrome along the way, oftentimes not feeling like I would fit in or I, you know, I, I went to the state school and even when I went my, to my earn my MBA. Um, I I didn't go to the top 10 business schools, uh, but it was the fact that I kept pushing myself and really investing in relationships. I mean, I look back now and think, wow, I launched my business and consulted and became a 
preferred vendor and advisor to some of the top global corporations and the top 20 business schools. And that just shows you that everybody has something to offer. And it is a struggle to constantly really be clear about your strengths and what you offer and kind of push down that nagging evil critic in the back of your head that says, you know, you're not enough, you have to do more, you're not worthy. And women in particular, as I've studied it, really, um, the consequences are much graver for us when, when overcoming that. The, the imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, and I think being underestimated, um, I, I definitely, I take on more than probably I, I should most times. And now I'm a mom with two young kids. Mm-hmm. And so talking about motherhood and the juggle and the guilt um, and all of that comes up a ton in my workshops with professional working women and even, you know, stay-at-home moms because that's a full-time job too, that we just never feel like we can do everything as perfectly as we want. Perfectionism, I'm constantly reading about it and talking about it and experimenting with strategies because when you are driven and ambitious, you you tend to, I think, really put too much attention on the external accomplishments um, and hold yourself to extreme expectations. And so, you know, reflecting on those things myself is, is a constant and it's even more it's even more sensitive to me right now because I have two little girls. Right. Oh, right. Being an example for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Not just saying the right thing. Uh, we're going to go into another break, Joan. When we come back, I want to hear the, the path that you took to, to have the opportunities to go into these Fortune 500s as a consultant. Stay with us for Dr. Marianne Ritchie for your health watch and Terry and Maggie for finance. Now, the women to watch. Health watch. For HealthWatch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Plantar fasciitis, very common cause of foot pain in adults. Plantar refers to the sole of your foot, like plantar's warts. Fascia, a thick piece of tissue that begins at the heel bone and stretches along the sole of the foot to the toes. When you walk, lift your heel, it gives support as weight shifts to your toes. Remember, itis means inflammation, like sinusitis or tonsillitis. So plantar fasciitis is inflammation of this tissue inside the sole of your foot. Most common symptom, pain in the heel and sole when stepping down, especially when first getting out of bed in the morning or when getting up after sitting for a while. Often from repetitive impact to the heel, running, marching, dancing may trigger or worsen symptoms. Other possible factors, obesity, prolonged standing, more frequent in runners from excessive training, improper running shoes, flat feet or high arches, or running on unyielding surfaces. The doctor will hold your foot in a flex position and use the other hand to press on spots on the sole. Be sure to say if you have pain in an area that was not found on exam. Sometimes an x-ray is done to check for a broken bone, arthritis, or tumor. Treatment? Rest, but don't stop all activity. Might cause stiffness or a different pain. Ice, up to 20 minutes, four times a day. Stretching exercises, easy ones you can do at home. Sit with your legs straight on the floor. Wrap a towel around your foot and pull the top part of your foot toward you. Hold 20 to 30 seconds for five reps. Do this twice a day. Pain relief, maybe short-term Advil, Motrin, or Aleve. Injections may be painful and have a small risk of infection. A boot with a rock or bottom lets you walk, but this treatment hasn't been tested. And there's no proof that surgery or shopping wave therapy will help. So divas, put your best foot forward. Wear shoes with support, not flip-flops or bare feet. Take care, soul sisters. 
Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth and you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch Finance Watch. This is Terry, and this is Maggie, and we're from Fortis Wealth. It's back to school time already. Maggie, this time of year, we remind our families and clients about the importance of a health care power of attorney for their college students. You're right. What is that about? Parents are probably already aware of the privacy or HIPAA laws. If you have children in college, you also know that those laws dictate that information such as grades cannot be shared with parents, even though they're probably footing the bill. You may not have considered how privacy laws relate to a medical situation. Sounds like it's not good. Well, no parent wants to think about their child being admitted to a hospital while away at school, but it's a good practice to prepare for the worst. The last thing you want to hear from the hospital staff is that they cannot provide any information on your child's status and that you have no power to make decisions on their behalf. Without a health care proxy, that's exactly what could happen. What a potential nightmare. It's my understanding that this document allows someone to appoint another person to access his or her health care records, make medical decisions, and advocate on his or her behalf. Is that right? Yes, it is. Parents generally have this authority over their children while they're underage, but once the student reaches, reaches age 18, the federal HIPAA privacy laws prevent parents from having access to any medical information. A properly executed health care power of attorney gives the parent this ability. Does it matter if the child is attending college outside of their home state? It's good practice to complete a state-approved form in both the home state and the state where the child attends college. It should also be provided to the college health care center. Where can we find these forms? Each state has approved generic forms and or approved language that can be used by your legal advisors to provide customized documents for you. Most states make their forms and language available on the state government website. So, dear listeners, we highly encourage you to add these very important documents to your list of things to check off for your college student. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I'm so thrilled to have a wonderful guest with me this evening, Joan Cool, who is an author, speaker, consultant, and the president and founder of Why Millennials Matter. Uh, Joan, I wanted to find out your. I understand you went and to the University of Pittsburgh, and uh, your first job right out of college was in pharmaceuticals. How, yeah. Tell me, tell me how that how you landed that job. Sure. So kind of typical to the stories that I was sharing earlier, I had my sights set on really entering either a sales or marketing role. I felt like that was 
it fit with my personality. And so as I was doing all of my job search, I was looking at everything from media to advertising to finance, anything. I mean, I was just covering the map completely. I was so terrified as most uh, most students are when, they're, when graduation is looming near. But what happened with uh, pharma is I ended up taking my, my senior year two neuroscience classes. I had a great advisor that also taught in that department said, I think you'd actually appreciate this. And one was called uh, brain and behavior and the other was called uh, drugs and behavior. So uh, ironically, because I had those and did well in those courses and had those on my resume, um, my resume got pulled for the pharmacy school. I had a bunch of pharmaceutical companies interviewing on campus and they had reached out and said, are you interested? And I kind of shrugged it off because I didn't know anything about the pharmaceutical industry. And I was it was basically uh, they had a, a job fair on campus and I overheard a campus, um, I'm sorry, an HR recruiter from the company, Eli Lilly and Company, goes by Lilly, um, talking to a student. I walked by, and it was just like this really friendly, engaging manner. And I turned around and I stopped and said, you know, I'm going to stand in line and talk to this person. Seems like they really care about who they're hiring. The long, I mean, the kind of the, the fast forward of the story was they were recruiting at that time pharmacy students and engineering students. And um, I said, hey, I'm interested in sales and marketing. And the HR person there said, I actually don't. I'm actually not working in that department. And he said, here's um, a fax number. Why don't you fax your resume (laughs) in and see if anything comes about it. So you know what I did? I went back and I had my own office with a student government president at the time. And I had these two amazing letters of recommendation, one from the chancellor of our university and one from... Uh, my advisor of a student leadership organization I was in. So I basically wrote, you know, researched the company and said, wow, there's just something about the values of this company that I think really fit well with me. Sent it all in a fax. I got a phone call and, you know, it led to the number of interviews, you know, ultimately an offer from Lily where I ended up joining. And it's just, I think I'd share that story with students to say, "You, you think that you have to really look at these companies and get to know the people and the leadership. And there are values and they're not just um, a plaque on the wall. You, know, you have to understand like the holistically what this company could do. You can do sales and marketing at a window pane company. You can do it at a tech company. If there's something that you want to try. And I think though sales in particular is a great place to start because as I had read in my leadership books, many CEOs and you know the leaders I admired said the best way to learn the products, the services, the ethos of a company is to start with you know your boots on the ground and getting to know the customers. So mm-hmm. that was my logic. <laughs> <laughs> it's smart. I think that's good logic. You know, obviously people along the way have seen more in you about real, truly who you are and, and, and the confidence you exude um, than skills. And, and mm-hmm. you know, tell me about when you are working and speaking with millennials, and I do want to, you know, I want you to kind of explain um, why millennials matter. What what does that mean? And what is the work you're doing with them? But I'm also curious as to how you speak to them um, mm-hmm. about the importance of really just believing in themselves before being concerned with skills. I so appreciate that you picked up on that. And that is absolutely a cornerstone of, I feel like, who I am as a facilitator, as a coach, as a speaker, as an advisor is 
I do believe sometimes others can see more in you and your potential than you may even realize in yourself. But Mm -hmm. you do have to have that self-belief to be able to walk through the door they open for you. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, you know, who you know can give you power, sure, but it's how well they know you that's going to open up that door. And so being vulnerable enough to talk about your dreams out loud or talk about the things you're challenged by. And I think that that worked for me, constantly sharing things like, I want to write a book one day. I want to um, launch a company someday. And I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for 14 years. And I think even the decision, I wasn't running away from my career. I loved it. And ultimately, you know, my first employer became one of my biggest clients. I was running towards something. And I felt like because I had those relationships that gave me the courage that I have people that I can reach out to. They say that they think I have something, they believe in me. And that's the energy that I bring to the women that I work with and particularly the younger professionals and students is because, I mean, I could tell you story after story in college campuses. It's, it's, it's so frustrating sometimes when they hand you the resume and they start explaining away all the things they think are wrong or the weaknesses or what's missing versus telling me what they love and what they're passionate about and letting us take it from there. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of, I think, you know, FOMO, the fear of missing out, feeling overwhelmed um, and unworthy. Everyone thinks that this generation is entitled and that they uh, actually think more highly of themselves than than they should, but that's not what I see. It's not what I see at all. I see these tremendously selfless young people from all over the world that are really trying to do something different, meaningful, make an impact. Maybe sometimes they don't articulate it the best uh, I think way. That, yes, that's yeah. one of the biggest problems, I think, really, is the communication, mm-hmm. um, right, or lack of good right. communication because of the technology world they're growing up in. Well, it's what you said earlier. What? How do you help people pick up the phone and talk to somebody they don't know? I was interviewed by the New York Post a couple of years ago because there was a study that came out talking about how companies are losing hundreds of millions of dollars because the majority of millennials are scared of the phone. Mm. So instead of if there's an issue with a client or something, you know, picking up the phone, talking to somebody directly or walking down the hall, knocking on the door, you know, it's it's just being pushed under the table or handled through email where, you know, everything can be misconstrued. So yes. Communication is definitely one of the most important skills, verbal and uh, written and digital in person to really work on, um, especially in the workplace, since we have five generations right now together. Right, right. Something we, you know, we we forget about that. Um, I think a lot of people would want to know, really, you know, the business model of, of your business you know, mm-hmm. it covers a lot of different things. What it, What is it? What is your, you know, your day-to-day under the heading of why millennials matter and what you're doing? Sure. And it's taken a huge pivot this year. So for the first five years when I launched, it was research, training, and consulting. So I did some large partnerships with Barnes Noble College, who manages the bookstore at 700 college campuses, Cosmopolitan Magazine. Um, I worked inside companies like Goldman Sachs and Johnson & Johnson and Discovery Communications and Viacom and worked on initiatives that were basically taking that research and putting it into action, whether it was workshops with young professionals, new associates or analysts or interns or managers, you know, in the finance world, up to the managing directors, global leaders who were just experiencing some frustration and and not knowing how to connect with the next generation. 
So that's why I kept doing the research to ultimately make sure that I had a language and data to back up what I was seeing. And then the the consulting was really the exciting part for me because I wanted to do something about it, whether it was recruiting, a strategy, or retention, or engagement, or development, and you know, advising top leaders and boards of what to do about it. And the interesting thing, which leads into the pivot of my business, is I discovered along the way that um, what what millennials really want is what women deserve and still have access to, and that drove me to where I am today. Okay. We're going to take one last break, Joan. And when we come back, we'll finish this up and we'll, we'll talk about the book. Stay with us for Mary Manzo for your Tech Watch. We'll be right back. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives, and her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Mansa from Pathways Consulting Group. I was reading an article published by ServiceNow, one of the leading enterprise service management cloud platform companies. In the article, they surveyed 2001 American office workers, and I found the results fascinating and I thought I would share. The 2001 workers, 58% wished their work was more meaningful. The workers felt they spent 40% of their time doing mundane tasks in the office. 45% said they would rather clean their bathroom than figure out HR benefits. 37% would rather be stuck in traffic than troubleshooting a broken printer by themselves. Imagine if you could automate a request for these two things, and your request automatically was received by the right individual in your company that handles these issues, instead of you trying to figure it out all by yourself. The article revealed that the workers felt mundane work leaves them feeling like they're wasting their time, unmotivated, stressed, frustrated, and not living up to their potential. If work had more meaning, they would enjoy their job, be more efficient, happier, be further along in their career, and stay at their current job longer. When automation can handle up to 45% of repetitive work, it gives workers time for higher value tasks, such as problem solving, finding solutions, and developing new ideas. At Pathways, we implement ServiceNow, which is a cloud-based platform that automates tasks for HR, IT, customer service, finance, audit, and so much more, even tasks that go across departments. Automation can provide a multitude of benefits to any organization and to you. Leveraging and embracing the change that automation can bring to the workplace will most definitely remove some of the mundane and your workforce will become substantially improved and efficient. For more information, contact me at mary at pathwayscg.com. joins me this evening. She's an author and speaker, consultant, and president and founder of Why Millennials Matter. Are are people calling you the millennial expert? (laughs) Is that a good short title for you? I think for years it was like the millennial um, uh, translator. Whisperer. (laughs) Whisperer. It's good. We need, because guess what? We need, we need all the information we can get on. And by the way, I have two young millennials of my own and they're uh-huh. the, the greatest kids in the world so i agree with you about 
you know, some of the negativity they get on a, on a regular wow. basis. Um, let's, let's talk about your book, Dig Your Heels In, which, um, you know, it's a wonderful resource, again, for young people and women in particular, um, helping them to not, you know, second guess every move and, and really help them find their voice. So what made you decide to write it? And what do you hope people will walk away from after reading it? Sure. And Dig Your Heels In is written as a playbook for all women, and I think men could benefit from it, too. So as I've been on this journey to build Why Millennials Matter, and and it really became the work culture transformation and really figuring out what it would take to be the type of leader that would be resonant in in the new world of work and also the type of day-to-day experiences and culture. And that's where I also um, started doing research around why women still weren't at the seat of the table at every level. And it was something that always mattered to me. I always cared about, but really having the research behind it to show what her career derailers were is what blew me away. And so along the way, I'm meeting all these extraordinary women in all these different industries. And when I decided to write the book, it was because I felt like there's enough inspiration. You really need to be armed. And and I had seen women actually make a difference and start to transform their teams, their department, their companies, and really move the needle, particularly in these big organizations where it's very intimidating, intimidating, and then also on college campuses. And so writing Dig Your Heels In was I want to give women the playbook to know why this happens. You know, this is legitimately an important thing. It's not the nice thing to do advancing women. It is the business thing to do. It's the smartest thing to do. And then help them figure out how to make it happen and then ultimately make it work. Because I do believe that if women continue to advance in the workplace, that's crucial to helping the next generation thrive, where I have a ton of passion for. And that's really the connect the dots. That's awesome. Yeah. And I agree. I agree. You know, when we think about the overall vision of how the world will be different or better um, when more women are in positions of leadership, which is what we talk about all the time, you know, what is your belief? What What is the one thing that you think um, we will see when this eventually occurs, whether it's equal numbers or greater? Well, it's not even think. It's a fact that when women are at the highest levels of leadership in the C-suite, on the board, when we have gender diverse companies, we have more inclusive policies and programs. There's better family benefits and programs, whether it has to do with, you know, child care or elder care or flexibility, um, really being focused on the customer. So I, I just absolutely believe it will make us more innovative. And, and people, there's a lot of toxicity in the workplace and people are really struggling in certain organizations where they don't feel like they have meaningful relationships or they don't feel a deep connection to what they do day to day. And I believe that having that diversity by gender, but of course, race and age and otherwise helps us fuel the type of, of culture and environment that really just changes it completely. That's, that's, what I believe will absolutely happen. I have a question for you. Do you do you come up against certain generations, older generations, men in particular, who look at the work that you're doing um, as, you know, the conversation sometimes is described as, you know, these feel-good um, changes or these feel-good scenarios when we talk about collaboration and inclusiveness mm-hmm. and all of that, which we know is is so much more than that, um, but that you have to kind of fight a little harder to get people to understand it. 
Yes and no, because for sure there are people out there like that. Uh, but I, I, I have learned because like companies like Eli Lilly and Company, the first company I worked for and one that I've worked with for the past several years, their CEO, Dave Ricks, the one before him, John Lechleiter, um, many of the other organizations, I've met CEOs like Mindy Grossman or Liz Smith. And uh, granted, those are females, but at the same time, they all know that this is this is research-based. And they've all taught me how I think watching them talk about these things as business priorities. You know, this is a top three business priority, just as important as launching a product, a service, you know, changing their, their business processes. So that's really, that's why my book is so full of, the data, and I even have this handout on my website to give women the case for change to say, like, this again, there is real numbers behind this that um, fuels anybody that's skeptical about it from a business standpoint. Right. And that's awesome because we didn't have that years ago. If, you know, you right. want to compare, you know, movements um, past years ago, uh, today having this research, I think, is, is really wonderful. Tell us about your involvement with the U.S. soccer organization. What, what are you doing with them? So what's interesting is uh, baseball led me to soccer. Um, this extraordinary leader, Holly Lindvall, she's a senior vice president for HR at the New York Mets, our beloved baseball team here. Um, she had hired me several years ago to work on millennial research in-house, how they could better uh, really engage and retain the, their young talent. So typically these organizations are, are very um, heavy on the early years. And so working with her, um, she also exposed me to this movement that the U.S. soccer team, the women's team, had started called She Believes. And it's really about inspiring girls and women to achieve their dreams on and off the field. So um, I started working with the U.S. soccer organization as a speaker at their annual summit at Nike. And now what we've been working on is this academy that's really the content about confidence, community, and career. And we're basically kind of developing these, these toolkits so that women, whether they are an athlete or not, they can talk about these topics, learn some new skills, and it can help them go after what they want with athlete, female athletes and female coaches, particularly the U.S. soccer team at the heart of it, you know, looking at these incredible role models that you may not know their story. And coming off of another a fourth World Cup championship this summer, I'm just I'm so proud and so excited to be involved um, with the organization. That's that's fantastic. I have to tell you, I, I'm such a strong believer in the power of of sports for, for girls. You yeah. know, right. Yeah. It's so I, it just does so much for for them. I, I wish I had been more involved myself when I was young. Um, you know, again, what, yeah, I just didn't, you know, again, didn't think I could do it. And, and I, I probably could have and should have. Um, so that's yeah. fantastic. We'll be following your work with that. And I'm happy to share um, anything that's relevant with our audience. Great. Joan, thanks so much. It was a great conversation. Uh, loved having you here. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you so much to my sponsors and advertisers for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.